0: Before we get started here, I want to quickly tell you about a really cool setup you can use to shoot side-by-side interviews on a Mac so the first thing you need is go to meeting by Citrix which now has HD faces so you can get amazing quality videos I think up to six people your guests don't need an account or anything like that it is click the link turn on the webcam and boom and sc- and then we're gonna use ScreenFlow which allows you to take the video of your screen so you're, you're you know you're taking a video of the screen as you do it you combine these two and boom you could create pro interviews so check this out so like here's an example right here of using GoToMeeting. Like you can see it. Look at the quality there of, of the video. So that was on my screen. That's me talking to Rob Murgatroyd. There it is. And then once I was done with that, let me shut that down. Look, I get a screen like this. Using using uh, uh screen flow that I can edit the audio, I can do anything I want just with clicks of the button. You don't need to be a techie or anything like that. And then at the end of it, you know, I'm exporting a side-by-side video just like that so if you want those tools all right first thing you need is go to meeting by Citrix all you gotta do is go to meeting.com and we're gonna give you a 45-day free trial. So just enter the just for RISE Nation, just enter the promo code RISE. Click the try it free button, enter the promo code RISE. And you get a 45-day free trial with HD faces, fully functional. Check that out. And also screen flow, which which you know is the tool I just showed you that you can take videos of your screen. In fact, that's what I'm using right now to shoot this introduction. All you gotta do is go to the rise to the top.com slash screenflow and you can get a copy of Screenflow. And all the kinds of things like this. All this stuff that I just talked about right there with the tech and, and I'm going to show alternative other ways of shooting interviews as well. This is all going to be covered upcoming in Create Awesome Interviews. Where I'm going to share all the secrets of creating, promoting, and profiting from online interviews. If you check out createawesomeinterviews.com, enter your email below the video. I'm going to send you a free video lesson, 11 Benefits of Creating Online Videos as a special gift for you. And now on with today's episode. And welcome to the Rise to the Top, the number one, number one non-boring business show. I should have Flash the one there. I'm David Uh So, a uh, big question today. How does a guy who doesn't really have any previous experience with internet marketing or launching a digital product create a ebook around Evernote called Evernote Essentials, get it up, sell it online, and sell not only over ten thousand copies at twenty five dollars each, but also land a job at the company that he was writing about, Evernote, and also get his wife to quit her job because it was so successful. How does this all happen? So I, I on a quest today to find that out. Brett Kelly is joining me on the Rise to Top, who did exactly that. Came up with this idea for Evernote Essentials, sold it. Now it's it's six figure plus in sales. It's allowed his wife to quit his job, her job all kinds of different things. We dive into it deep today on the show. How did this happen? How did he come up with the idea? How did he package it? How did he price it? How did he market? How did he promote it? All these kinds of things. We're going deep here on The Rise to Top. Enjoy it. All right, so we're going to get to pick someone's brain today that's a lot smarter probably than all of us. Uh, Brett Kelly, joining me on The Rise to Top. Brett, thank you so much for coming on, my man. My pleasure, David. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, I got to tell you, besides having a million cups over here, I have like, all these cups, and it's really awkward, and this graphic calculator from like 1992. But besides that, we're in good shape. You know, it's funny, I, I heard about this story about you selling 10,000 plus ebooks. I can't remember, it was a fan of the show she said, You got to have bread on. But, you know, for people that are just kind of meeting you through the show, we know you're, you're a, commu- a technical communications major for Evernote, but tell us a little bit kind of about yourself before we kind of deep dive into these goodies here today.
1: Um, well, I'm mean- a well, first of all, family man. Uh, big fan of Evernote. Um, I like you said I work there, but I, uh, yeah, mostly just a, a computer guy who can write a little English, I guess. And uh, yeah, there's not much to tell really. I <laughs> I spend a lot of time at a computer and the rest of the time with my family. So
0: nice. Well, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. And you're and you're based out of Orange County, correct? That's right. All right. Awesome. So we, let, let's just hop literally right into the story here because your Evernote Essentials is um, sold 10,000 plus copies. We're going to dive into everything about it. But I think the first question that I want to ask is where did this sort of idea come from and when to kind of put this information into, into an, an ebook?
1: Well, it was about... Okay, well, let me start from before that, actually. So I... Um, at my previous job, I was a web developer at a uh, advertising place in nearby here. And a friend of mine sent me a, a beta invite to Evernote when it was in private beta in early 2008. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, yeah, I'll check it out. So I started using it and within literally like an hour, I realized, holy crap, I can put stuff in here and it will sync to my home computer and, you know, on the web and all this stuff. And I was like, dude, sure. I'm in love, right? So I started using it and I kind of... Abuse the hell out of it for the next like eighteen months, twenty months. And after I got really, really good with it, I thought, you know, well, there was two things. I thought there's no, there's not really any good manuals for this anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, they had some stuff they had, the company had written, but I didn't think any of it was very good. And I also was interested in uh, increasing the money that I was making. Right. So Understood. I thought, I thought, okay, well, um, let's give this a crack. I think I could write a pretty serviceable manual for this. You know, like an introductory. You know, book for this, so um, yeah, that was in January of 2010 that I first had that idea. Um, and about an hour and a half after having the idea, I had what was close to the first outline for the book. I just wow. sort of, so you just kind yeah. of
0: dove right in there and went, yeah, out. it was on my lunch
1: break. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought, man, I could write something. Then I just went upstairs and in Evernote, ironically, I drafted, uh, did a big brainstorm and then did an outline. So, yeah.
0: And that's, so that's how it started. Now, now question, right. a few questions here. And then it, la- it launched when? Launched
1: in July of 2010.
0: Okay, so the idea comes up January 2010. Now, a question on this because, you know, a lot of people uh, that watch Listen to the, to the Rise to the Top, you know, they try to take their, either their own expertise or, or, or maybe um, something they know a lot about, you know, you know, like you did, 18 months. But what's interesting about this is that this is also – sort of another brand involved, meaning meaning like there's a software company here that you're right. writing on. Was there any kind of issue with that at all? Like, meaning did you have to go and say, hey guys, you know, by the way, I think I'm going to write this book. Like, is that cool? Because this seems to be your side project, right? It wasn't part of Evernote, correct? Right,
1: that's right. Yeah, actually, so were there any
0: issues there or was there?
1: That's actually a funny part of the story because I, I, around the time that I had the idea, not the day I had it, but shortly after, uh, I had realized, okay, well, I want to name this book Evernote something, um, you know, because it's going to be what it's about. So I was like, "Well, can I use the name legally? Am I right, allowed to do that? Right, can right. I use the like the logo and stuff like the typeface? Is what you know legally? What can I do here?" So I sent an email. I went on the Evernote website and found like the general purpose, you know, everything bucket email address for just where whatever questions. And I said, "Hey, so I'm going to write this thing that I'm planning on selling, and I want to know can I use the Evernote name, the logo, etc. And so I got an email back from somebody in marketing um, who said, "Hey, we're really like excited about what you want to do." Yeah. Like, we don't have anything like that. We've really wanted something like this for a while and we don't have the people to do it right now. So, we're more than happy to help you out any way we can, you know, so just let us know if when when it's out, we'll help you promote it. Like, I was like, "Oh, crap. Okay." So, but yeah, as far as like what I could do, I it was decided that I shouldn't use the logo because that would give it the sort of official right. feel. But the name I I I obviously used. So,
0: okay, that's interesting because I I was just thinking about that. And so okay, so you come up with this idea, you start writing right away. Um, it gets out in just in just a few months back to kind of the creative process here because I really want to focus on the marketing all that kind of stuff people will ask this all the time and I think it's kinda of basic but it's important um, when you were putting this together number one uh, did you, what kinda of technologies use was it was just as simple as, as using Evernote in a word processor and creating it in a PDF did you have to hire a graphic designer editor what tell us about the pieces that went into this um, before we kinda of talk about the marketing angle and how it got out there
1: okay um so when I first well, after I had, after the outline, you know, the one I told you about earlier, um, I thought, okay, well, got an outline, time to start writing. So I basically drafted most of the chapters in Evernote um, just because it was easy and I had it at work and at home. You know, the, sure. the, the, product, the product itself lent itself to creating this thing. So um, I just wrote all the chapters there, most of them. And after a while, I started, I, I moved to plain text at some point. I really don't remember why I did that, but anyway. So, but, at the end of all that, at the end of probably and I, it, it didn't take me that long to write the first draft of it i had i had ninety five percent of it written in about fifty hours, broken up over a couple of weekends and days off and stuff
0: probably because of that eighteen months of you being so much in there, it was probably just poured out you know yeah exactly
1: right. yeah so then I, I at the end of it, I had i think it's like seventeen chapters eight fifteen or seventeen something like that um I had each chapter in in its own text file and a bunch of screenshots and okay, well, this thing is probably ready for someone to also look at it. Um, and so I put it all up. I, at the time, I was using Basecamp for a bunch of freelance work I was doing. Um, so I just created a Basecamp project for the book and put, do you use Basecamp?
0: Uh, I actually do. I am a, a subscriber and we use it, especially my virtual assistants use it to kind of keep everything we're doing on task. Yes, okay, but cool. I am a so subscriber.
1: You, so you're familiar with the Writeboard thing they have? Yes. Okay, so what Writeboard is, for those who don't know, is like it's an online, very basic... Um, like word processor that does versioning. So if I upload one version of a file and then I say, okay, go check this out and make some edits if you if you feel like making them, you can make edits, but I can also roll, roll it back to the previous version and you can roll back to all previous versions. So I put each chapter of the book in as a separate write board and then invited like hmm. 20 of my closest friends, um, English teachers, other technology people, people with varying degrees of uh, familiarity with Evernote, and I asked them all, hey, read through this and give me feedback. Either make edits to the document or just leave comments, whatever. Um, cool. So after – yeah, that was – I let that roll for like a, uh, three weeks or so. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I had a pant load of really, really good feedback. Um, I didn't use all of it, obviously. But, you know, I just had really great notes. A lot of mechanical mistakes were corrected that I w- would have totally missed. Right. So I got a lot of free editing help. I mean, I, I certainly could have paid an editor for that, but I wanted – I wanted also not just editing for like mechanics and for like punctuation and grammar, but also for like continuity. Mm-hmm. And like, does this make sense as a, as especially to people who don't know what Evernote is or never used it? Can you like glean what I'm trying to say based just on what I've written? Mm-hmm. So there, you know that that was helpful too. Um, so after that, all, after all that was done, I, uh, a good friend of mine just down the street is a graphic designer uh, at Needle.net. Um, shameless
0: plug. Shameless yeah. plug. We like I'll, I'll, we'll link it up. We link up all the stuff below. We link up right. any shameless plugs below. Needle.net. Got it. It's
1: A-N-E-A-D-L-E.net. Okay. Got it. Sorry. Um, you haven't commented on my apple cup.
0: Yeah. No. You got the apple cup. I have the oatmeal caffeine high <gasps> cup here right here. So, all the you know, oatmeal. We're not going okay, that sorry. way.
1: Okay. Sorry. So back to the thing. So um, after I had all of that stuff, the, all the feedback edited down into like a, what I thought was a serviceable let's let's ship this thing um i sent i moved it all into a google doc mm-hmm. and then uh, exported that as a .doc file a word document and sent it over to my designer mm-hmm. and I said all right take your you know take your best shot so uh we went round and round on revisions for not that long maybe 4 days mm-hmm. but he he was iterating really quickly and i was giving feedback really quickly so um but yeah then we we shipped it out i think like two days after I got the final draft
0: all right, cool, so, so pretty I mean honestly, pretty simple process here right, right? and let 's talk about some of the, the sort of the essentials here, and I do like the apple cup by the way i 'm a huge obviously apple nerd, so um, is uh, number one pricing okay yes um, I, I checked it, I want to say twenty five is that, is that correct that 's right all right That's so twenty five dollars. Uh, was this a, a needle at the dartboard? Was this a, a situation of you waking up in a sleepy? Like I really like the number twenty-five. Um, you know what? What? What was? Was if there was any? Why did you come up with uh, that number? Any strategy behind that?
1: Um, I think it was well. There's two reasons why. Um, I've seen I've seen a lot of people who and a lot of people since then who have priced their ebooks like far lower than that, like down like ten dollars and lower. Right. I've seen um, that all the time now. Yeah, and uh, for me, well. The reason, what informed that decision, why I made it more than that, was uh, a guy named Chris Gillibo, who I think you've interviewed here. Oh
0: yeah, Art of he's Nonconformity, Mr. Yeah, Chris, Chris Gillibo. Absolutely, he's a good buddy of
1: mine, and like, yeah. he's a big reason why I'm where I am. Like, he's been a huge help and a great mentor to me. But um, he, I forget, me might get mad for, at me for saying this, but he said something like, "People who buy things for under twenty dollars are a pain in the ass," because no, I, like,
0: it's a good point. But yeah, continue on that. Yeah.
1: So because if, if things are low, if things are priced low enough, then they're um, blanking on the word. Uh, Devalued grocery store, or something not like, diet, but like their their prices, to, they're purchases you make without thinking them through. Like, why can't I think of this word? Uh, anyway, so like you know, a pack of gum at the grocery store, you just grab it on your way out. You don't even think about it. Im, impulse. Impulse. Got Jeez, it. It's early. <laughs> you win I get a prize
0: for that. I'm pulling words out. That's that's what I do here.
1: So, because you don't want people to make a purchase like. You, you want people to buy your thing without thinking about it and then realize this isn't what they thought it is and then want to return it or just badmouth it because, you know, they they, they thought it was going yeah, to be... it's a rip-off,
0: it didn't work or whatever it may be because they didn't really think that's about, right. do I really need this and do I really want it?
1: Right. Yeah. So $25 to me was above the impulse threshold for most people, right? Now, my target market is pretty large because Evernote has a ton of users mm-hmm. and they get a lot of users every and single day. And that's
0: something to keep in mind, obviously, because if, if you price it, uh, you know in that price range, because it's still affordable for, for yeah. a, huge, a huge audience here.
1: That's right. So, there was that, and I tried to, so based on Chris Gilboa's $20 being the, low, the, the, the lower bound of what I could charge, you know, practically, um, I decided, actually kind of at the last minute, like, you know, like, this is gonna be a pretty valuable thing. Like, people can spend a lot of their own time learning everything I know about Evernote, or they could buy this thing. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, you're buying, Instead of spending a week and a half just running into walls and learning how to use it by trial and error, like you can spend a couple hours reading my thing and then be like pretty close to like a, as a, a capable user. So excuse me. So I, yeah, I thought okay, well, this is you know twenty five bucks. It's a lot of people are going to think that's really high, and a lot of people do. I get emails all the time. Why you charge so much money? Um, well, screw but, those people. Screw those yeah. assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, based on, like, and not to sound like a, a prick, but, like, having sold as many as I have, like, I think that, like, the number I chose was somewhere in the right ballpark. Yeah.
0: No, absolutely. So, I mean, 10,000 10, plus now sold, correct? That's right. Yeah. It's funny because you're always going to get the jerks. I have, I have – yeah, I have uh, I have friends that have a lot of different philosophies on that too. He has, puts people on a banned customer list and all this kind of stuff is very funny. But uh, that that being said, yeah. So you go you go for the twenty five dollar price range, um, and you publish it. Is it, is it was it still at the, at the place where you started? With, I I want to say it's on E Junkie. Is that where? That's, is right. That, That's All right. right. So you decided to go through E Um, any particular reason to go that way?
1: Um, I didn't. Well, I it was cheap. Okay. Uh, they, they, it was five bucks a month. To sell it, it was flat. There was no like per transaction fee. It was just five bucks. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was like, how are these people making any money? Whatever. Five bucks, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. So I realized how they make money later on when I, when I emailed everybody about the update that I put out, and they charged me 10 cents per email, which at the time was like 7,500 7, people.
0: Oh, wait. So they make money so when you they...
1: email their customer, your existing customer list, when you email uh-huh. them, then, you know, I was. It stung a little bit, but I was happy to pay it because I've obviously been right. successful with this. So it wasn't a huge deal, but still it was like, oh, okay, now I get it. But that was the eJunkie thing was just because it was inexpensive and, and they, oh, they had an affiliate program built in, which if you're selling something online, my goodness, do not skimp on the affiliate thing, but go ahead.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, what, and, what, and we're going to talk a lot about that actually. In your affiliate program, did you offer a certain percentage from the, from the beginning that's the same now?
1: Yeah, 40% is what I've offered from the start.
0: Okay, so 40%, I can't do any math, but you know, you could do it, it's about what, 10, 10, bucks. Bucks, uh, 10 bucks a sale uh, right there. And, okay, so, so you set this up, get it up there, now we get to talk about the meat, which is how the hell this gets out to 10,000 know, 10, customers over time here. Um, mm-hmm. So let's start with, with the first part of it, did you do anything before The launch of this actually being live um to 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 start kind of throw some fire on this or was it like let's press live and figure it out from there which way did you kind of go
1: um i mostly went the latter way i didn't really well i'd never sold anything online before right i mean
0: it's rookie rookie game time here right
1: right right no i'd i'd had are you familiar well okay you Chris Guillebeau, you know him. Yeah. Are, you, are you familiar with the Life Remix blog network?
0: Uh, I am, actually. Okay, uh, There's so many my, weird things I'm familiar with. This would be included. But okay, you Feel free to tell everyone about it if you want to. Yeah.
1: All right, so my friend Glenn Stansberry, who writes at lifedev.net, uh, he and I co-founded this blog network like four or five years ago. And at the time, we were both writing sort of personal development stuff. And so we would recruit sort of one at a time all these different heavy-hitting personal development bloggers. Uh, Chris is one, Jonathan Field's. Oh yeah, um, Leo, Babauta from yep. Zen Habits, all those guys. Yep. So now we have sort of this back channel where we all email each other and we just talk about stuff and ask for advice and you know bounce ideas off of each other, which is really cool because I'm like, I should be serving these people water instead of asking them things and giving advice. But for some reason, I'm lucky enough to get to hang out with them. Cool, cool, cool. So I emailed them a great deal as the thing was coming up and said, okay, so you have any advice for me, blah, blah, blah. And they gave a lot of advice that I didn't ignore, but <laughs> I... Well, the the truth is, I was sort of rushed into launching. Not rushed. I I lagged really bad on launching, and then I had to launch my product the day, either the day of or the day before the launch of what was called the Evernote Trunk. Okay. How big of an Evernote user you are, but uh, the Evernote Trunk was this actually this web app that I built for Evernote when I worked there. But well, I still work there. Um, that basically uh, features a bunch of uh, products and services and Hardware and all the all the stuff that works with Evernote. Okay. So and my book was going to be in the trunk. Ah. So obviously it had to be done and on the shelf virtually before the trunk launched. So literally the day before the trunk launched, I was launching my product very quietly. I mean, I emailed everybody in Life Remix and said, "Hey, could you link to this? That'd be cool if you did, you know." And it did pretty well. Um, but I did virtually no <laughs> other than asking advice. I did almost no. Um, you can call it marketing but like any any efforts toward moving the thing before it sold before it launched I yeah almost not
0: got it and, and you know and I and that's interesting too is that um sort of your fault that the accountability barrier that you had there it works out very very well like all the time like meaning like you have to get it done because otherwise it's not gonna be in that trunk and so you have to get it done and it's it's like one of those things where you know it, there's so so many times if we don't have some kind of uh, um. You know accountability factor like that it can just go on forever like when i did a fitness yep. transformation just just to give you a line i had a photo shoot that i had to do like basically in my underwear on this certain date so it had to be done or i could have just you know procrastinated forever on it you know what i'm saying right. so it's good it's good that you you have that date so let's so, so you have this kind of like network of peeps you know you get it up what did you start to do now to get the word out how do we go from zero to 10,000 in sales here, 10,000 plus in sales. Like, what were some of the key aspects? Tell us a little bit about um, kind of what you did because I think it's awesome to hear someone where this is your first digital product because, you know, it's sometimes hard when it's like someone's like their 80th digital product. Like, well, now I have it all systemized. But first one's always like an adventure. So what, what, what did you do?
1: Um, well, after the launch thing, the trunk went up the next day and I remember I was... <sighs> I, woke, I was in San Francisco, because Evernote office is based in Mountain View, and we were we had an event at the W Hotel um, to launch the Trump, like a press event. And that morning, I was sort of on my iPhone looking at sales and looking at blog traffic and stuff and watching, you know, a few people had linked to it. And it was – I mean, I sold, I think, a few dozen the first day, which, you know, was – but I was happy. To, I mean,
0: were you pumped about that, though? Because that's awesome. Like, like, you went from zero to now selling something. So Yeah,
1: totally. You know. No, I, I really was. And I, But I think the thing is, and the, the part that caused me the most anxiety leading up to that first day and the first few days um, was that I had literally no idea how it would do. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I knew there were a lot of Evernote users, and I knew that the thing didn't suck, really. But beyond that, like, I knew that that wasn't enough to make it successful. I knew that there was a lot more at play in the internet marketing an internet, you know, sales machine that I just did not understand.
0: Right, understood. So,
1: um, yeah, so I, I was like, okay, cool. I don't know. I mean, is is it going to drop off the planet after this? Like, am I going to sell a hundred of these and that's that? And way to go, Johnny. Next thing. Right. So I was like, okay, well, I was, I was, I was excited, but I was also sort of uh, apprehensive about how the thing would turn out in the long term. Because I had, you know, I had goals that I wanted to achieve with this thing. Um, my wife was still working at the time, and I wanted her to not work anymore. So we had goals that we were working toward to make that happen.
0: And so, oh, that, can I stop just for one quick second yeah, there? Because sure. that's a, I think that's another important thing, sort of like with the accountability is mm-hmm. having some kind of goal that might not even be monetary per se, like it could be, but like mm-hmm. results-based. Do you know what I mean? Like if I get to do this, then this will happen. And you're saying that your goal was essentially, okay, how can we get my wife now to not, be, not need to work? Is that, was that kind of the big... Goal, right. if you will. And well, have, yeah, you well, hit, I, have you hit that yet, by the way?
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, the, we had a dollar amount that we had decided on that if the thing earned X dollars, then she would quit.
0: Okay. So like you had it.
1: Day. And we hit it 11 days after it went on sale.
0: 11 days? No way. Seriously? Yeah. 11 yeah. days. Yeah. Nutty. Holy so, crap.
1: Yeah, let me tell you, I'll tell you how that happened. Yeah, I, so, I'm just going to sit back here and yeah. like
0: grab my one of my three cups and enjoy the story. So.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so the um, Evernote Trunk thing happened. Like, Trunk launched. The, my product was in it. Like, I got a, a few a few sales from that. Not Nothing spectacular, okay. but people did see it. Um, and over the next few days, people would link to it on Twitter a little bit. And, again, it was, you know, good, but nothing nothing earth-shattering. Mm-hmm. And I think the following – The following, like five days later, Evernote, the Evernote blog, like wrote about it, and it like exploded that day. Really? Like, oh man, I think I did several hundred sales that day, maybe a thousand sales that day. Wow. Which? Wow.
0: I mean, that's multiply that by twenty-five. So yeah. No, it was like okay, it was like
1: five hundred sales that day.
0: Okay. I, I got This is why I brought out my TI eighty three calculator from high school because it <laughs> made, it looks much cooler than my iPhone right now. So you right, can grab yeah. the function. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So if you make so, five hundred, you know that's yeah that's like twelve thousand five hundred bucks. Yeah. So boom.
1: There you go. And our yeah. our our ten thousand dollars was the number we had decided to. Um, that was the wife quits work number.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah. Cool.
1: So, and like you said, we, we blew past that. And um, so beyond that, like Evernote's Evernote's promotion, what had like a sustained um, effect on sales. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it it, it was, it made for a lot of sales for quite some time after that. Like maybe uh, three or four weeks after, like sales were not like that first day, but you know there were a lot of sales. And um, then affiliates started picking up, which was really really good. Um, But even before the affiliate thing really took off, like I was, I mean, I think I've had maybe five days total since I launched, but I have not sold a single copy.
0: Wow. Wow. And so you sure. can attest a lot that to the, well, let's talk about affiliates though. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how did you find affiliates Did affiliates find you? Uh, but what was kind of the, uh, cause it, cause you wrote an article, which I'm going to link up. Of course, and we're going to dive into some of the things in the article anyway, about some of the, uh, the insights, uh, lessons learned from selling Evernote essentials. Um, and, and so, one of the, the, the number one thing actually you mentioned up here is, is talking about affiliates. So let's, let's discuss that a little bit because okay. you're not one of those quote-unquote classic internet marketers that has like 10,000 affiliates ready to sell for you even if you just like go to the bathroom in a cup and sell it. Um, so why don't we, which I wouldn't recommend. So, <laughs> h- how, do you go, so how did you go about this?
1: Um, let's see. So I, I launched the affiliate program like a week after I put the product up for sale. Um, just because at the time I think I was, it was recommended to me that I do that. I didn't, I mean, I knew what it was, but I didn't really have much of an idea how it would benefit me. But I put it up. Uh, I decided, you know, 40% per sale, 10 bucks. That's easy to like, you get 10 bucks every time you sell one of these. Like, that's a very easy concept for everyone to get. So, and then at the, uh, I added, so whenever, whenever anyone buys it, they go through eJunkie, then to PayPal, and then back to my site. For like mm-hmm. the, hey, thanks. And when you
0: said put it up, did you mean on your website? Yes. Is that what, and, and, and we're talking about on your blog, right? That's right. So, which is called Bridging the Nerd Gap. And did you have a pretty decent audience there at that point?
1: Um, I think I had about maybe uh, 2,000 RSS subscribers. Okay.
0: So, which, so, but you have an audience. Okay. Yeah. So, so you decide, okay, let's, let's put the affiliate program together.
1: Yeah. So I launched, I wrote a blog post saying, hey, I do affiliates now. And this is what's going to pay. So here's how you sign up. You go to the. I created a separate page for it, um, which you know explains it reasonably clearly, I think. Um, but the really, I don't. Know if I, I I don't want to take credit of this idea if it wasn't mine, but I can't remember who told me this. So maybe it was my idea. Um, is on the last page, whenever after you buy the "Thanks for buying my thing" page, mm-hmm. it says, "Hey, by the way, I have an affiliate program. Click here, and you can oh. every time you recommend someone buy this book, you oh. can earn ten bucks. So." Um, that worked out pretty well. Like I've yeah, got, so
0: it's a good use of your your real estate there.
1: Yeah, so I think I've got oh, uh, I, I can look it up, but I think I've, I've got over a hundred affiliates registered now. Obviously, not, most of them don't sell anything, but mm-hmm. um, I think well, I just paid my I pay my affiliates at the beginning of every month, and I think I just paid about twelve people. Um, Sweet. Now there are a couple that do the majority, like the vast majority. Right. Um, the 98
0: and, 2% rule <laughs> that's
1: right <laughs> so but you know everyone i i still sell through like i said over a dozen affiliates yeah. and um you know even if they do one or two that's one or two sales i wouldn't have gotten otherwise mm-hmm. so yeah but the having I, I i i'm reticent to mention them by name so i will not um uh, but having a couple of very well known uh bloggers who r- routinely recommend my product has been instrumental in my success
0: okay so so some of the keys here just just if we get like hammered a little bit number yep. one is that you, you got it out um, bloggers seem to be a big uh, or evernote itself and then also other bloggers so you got it on a big big place and then it trickled down but also other big bloggers that you knew um, you had the affiliates yep. um, w- was there any other kind of key things that you that you can point to on how, or is that was that enough to get to 10,000
1: um, I think the fact that I got hired at Evernote before the book launched was a big thing because they got, they, I mean, they hired me because of the book.
0: Oh, right, so t- t- tell us about that. Because okay. I, I, so you're saying that when you wrote this and all this stuff, you were not working at that, Evernote.
1: That's right. Okay. That's right. I got the job between the time I started writing it and the time I launched it. Um, so I, I mentioned before that I emailed them asking about the name and the logo and stuff. Um, and they said, hey, we really want to help you out with this. So around the time, around, let's see, it was early, late March of 2010, uh, I emailed them and said, hey, this is, that's back when I'd written most of it, but not all of it. I said, hey, there's a draft up in Basecamp. I've invited you guys to look at it. You know, please take a look. And mm-hmm. so I get an email saying, hey, you know, the CEO wants to talk to you. Like, you want to talk to him? I'm like, okay. So I'm, I remember standing in my garage at the last place I lived, and I'm talking to Phil and the CEO of Evernote, and he's like, hey, do you want to work for Evernote? I said, I would love to work for Evernote, but you're way in, you're up in Northern California and I am down in Southern California and I do not want to move. He's like, that's okay. You know, we will really? find – That's that, yeah, that's no problem. We have people all over the world. You can work wherever you want. He's like, I'll have the CTO call you next week and you guys can talk about what you can do. No way. So, like, wow, all right. So, sure enough, I got a call from Dave, who if you listen to the Evernote podcast, Dave's the techie guy. Uh, he, he and I talked for half an hour about what I knew how to do as far as computers and, and English and Evernote and all that stuff. So we carved out this technical, communication, technical communications manager job for me where I basically do some programming for them and I write all of their user documentation. So, But that cool. all started. My first day was May 10, and the book launched just over two months later. So yeah, and they were very cool. But the, the book remained mine. They didn't, you know, obviously they didn't take possession of it when they hired me. So, I, I, all the money I make from the book, I, I keep. It's not an Evernote product. It's not official. So, But yeah, so I started working there in yeah in May. And they were like, we really like the book, and we really think you should write for us. So,
0: Was that ever in the back of your mind at all when you were writing it or anything like that? Were you thinking, you know what? I would really like to work for Evernote. And, and you, or was that just something that you're like, holy crap, that just seemed like the stars aligned there as a result of this? Well,
1: it's funny. I, I mean, Evernote was on the very short list of companies that I would have considered... Working for, because at the time I was really like banging the entrepreneur, quit your job kind of drum, or in, in my head anyway. And uh, but Evernote was on a very, like I said, a short list because I really love what they make. Um, the company seems like it's just a great company to work for. And uh, but after I had that conversation with the CEO, I walked back into my house and I was just giggling. I told my wife, "I'm like, they just they said they want they want to hire me," and I was like, "It's probably not going to happen because why would it? Like that's crazy." How, what's,
0: the, what's the attitude here? Where's well, the, no. We needed the positive. <laughs> I know,
1: but I I, did, I was trying not to get like too excited, too excited, and then have to be disappointed. Yeah. And plus, the amount of stuff that would have to take place and work out for that to happen seemed like insurmountable to me. Mm-hmm. So you know, obviously it wasn't, and it did happen. But no, at the time when I was writing the book, I wasn't thinking, "Oh man." If I play my cards right, I can get a job. Right, at this company. like this
0: whole like scheme of doing <laughs> Right. <laughs> no, no,
1: not at all. I mean, like it was just something I wanted to make and sell. Hopefully, make a few bucks at, and then get back to my, my job. But
0: no, that's I think... awesome. But but just to kind of to show people here. So just as a result of this, you know, uh, of putting this in here, one, most importantly, probably your wife's been able to quit what she was doing, sure. um, and and that was one of your major goals. Number two, um, you know, you're. I mean, you can do the math yourself, but 10,000-plus things sold as your quote-unquote side project, pretty darn impressive. And number three, you land a quote-unquote potential you know, dream kind of job situation that all happens as a result of this, Now, which, which is just ridiculous. It just shows people what happens if you, if you, you put your head down and do something pretty cool and, and do at it. Um, all, back to sort of the marketing thing, and then I want to cover a couple other things you mentioned in that article, then I'm going to let you get back at it, um, is you got the affiliates, you got the big bloggers. Um, you mentioned in that article that you did try some advertising; was not as successful. Is is, is that is that true? That's what did right. you try? What what didn't work?
1: Um, I tried. Well, I, I don't remember how I got it, but some like my web host I think emailed me this coupon for like hundred bucks in free AdWords.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, whatever. Would Let me preface this by saying that I know nothing about like keyword. Advertising or,
0: none of that, none of that. I'm a total yep. idiot when it
1: comes to that stuff. So I thought, okay, well, Google AdWords, 100 bucks, like I can probably buy a few ads for that and just see how it goes. Yep. So I would, I would, again, I would by no means consider what I did to be a representative, like a good trial of how the advertising worked. I just did it for like a month and I saw almost no sales from it. Now I probably worded it wrong. I probably did all sorts of other things that you shouldn't do. But again, that's just, what I did, I tried it. Didn't really work for me. Uh, I also spent about two hundred bucks advertising on Facebook, mm-hmm. um, which same deal. Like the click through rate was higher. Like people visited more through the Facebook ad than they did on the Google ad. But very few people bought. Like mm-hmm. that did that didn't convert very well. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, I'm sure I was because of me. But beyond that, oh, and I did a, uh, I sponsored a podcast at one point, and that again didn't pan out very well either. And I think. I mean, the reason why I think none of those worked is because the thing that I sell is like a very specific like niche product Yeah.
0: Niche. Yeah.
1: Um, because I mean, it, despite having millions and millions of users, a lot of people have not heard of Evernote. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't care about Evernote, even if they have heard of it. So I'm trying to like advertise sort of en-, en masse to a large group of people that only a subset have even heard of what I sell or what the thing that I wrote about it, you know, I said that wrong. Almost no one sort of ever know no one cares about it except for just, you know, a small number of people who really want to get good at it. So trying to advertise on something like Facebook, even if I use the, the targeting deal that they have, mm-hmm. it just didn't I don't know, like it, it made sense that it didn't really work. Like it because it's an expensive, relatively expensive thing for a lot of people. And it works better when it comes from recommendations from people they trust mm-hmm. or like read or whatever. Like mm-hmm. and I think that's why the like the, the affiliate thing has been way more successful than advertising traditional web advertising has been for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And yeah, so that could be a combination of targeting it could be a combination of kind of your experience like saying, Well, you know, maybe if there was a master that was working on it it might have worked. Who knows? You know what right, I mean? It's one correct, of those right. cases. But you know what do you know what does work, so you stick with that. Um, you launched this in uh, – tell me one more time. June? Is that what you July. said? July. July 2010. July 2010. Um, we're now doing this interview in February 2012. Um, where did you hit the 10,000 bookmark? Was that in December? Because that's when you wrote the article about uh, December 2011 or was it before then? Because I remember that's when you wrote the article. but
1: I think it was in late November of 2011.
0: Okay. So we're looking at a year and a couple months here. You know what I mean? A year and yeah. a few months that get, get there. I see people struggle with this. They get something out. Maybe they get that big push early on. You know, they get the bloggers, they get the good friends or something or, you know, whatever it may be. Maybe the affiliates are working out well. And then it just goes like that. And mm-hmm. it drops off because, it's it, you know, it can be kind of hard to continue to promote something and get it out there over and over again. You know what I mean? What did you do sort of like – phase two or whatever you want to call it or phase three once you that initial kind of push was going well and the evernote links it up and your your big blogger friends are rocking it like what the heck did you do because i know a lot of people kind of sit back and be like well that's it it's over i mean has there been other active things you've done or is it just snowballed from there
1: i think um the only thing i've kind of done which to answer the question i've done very little but um I've written...
0: It's okay. We want the honest answer. We don't... Yeah, we yeah, yeah. We're yeah, not yeah. looking but, for the 87 things you've done so we can sit here and, like, <laughs> you know, freak out.
1: <laughs> well, I've, I've written a handful of blog posts about um, Evernote, like, sort of, like, content marketing, I guess you could call it, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. describing st- how I use it, like, and referencing things you might learn if you were to buy the product. Um, but I've done relatively little of that, like, probably maybe six or eight times over the, you know... 14 months, yep. 16 months, um, and I mentioned on Twitter every now and again like every couple of months I'll just say, hey, I sell this thing. You should check it out if you want to learn about Evernote, mm-hmm. and a few people link through it and people retweet it and stuff, and that's cool, but yeah, to answer your question, I do almost nothing to like make this <laughs> continue to sell, and it just inexplicably in my mind continues to sell.
0: Very cool. And you talk about a challenge in that article, the, the 10,000 sales letter article, which I, I said I'll link up below, too, so people can read it and check out your blog. That there's also a challenge with a technology related product like this. Yes. That technology changes, right? Like if I do so, a Facebook product, okay, about how to upload photos or something, you know what I mean? Tomorrow, Facebook's be like, well, we're going to move the button. It's going there. It's doing that. And, you know, you just. Sparkle some fairy dust on it, and that's how you upload now. And I'm like, great, my product's not obsolete. Uh, so, how do you deal with that with Evernote as they kind of evolve? And now you're obviously inside baseball, as in you're you know you're at Evernote. But what? How have you dealt with that since 2010? Has there been any updated versions, or what's kind of the, what kind of goes on? Yeah,
1: I well, so I I updated the, the I went through and updated and expanded the book in what was it September of 2010, no, 2011, sorry, now, which was way too long. I shouldn't have waited that long, but I did. Um, and part of the sale, the sales guarantee is that you can get, you get future versions of it for free forever, which I think is a big reason why people buy it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the the pace at which Evernote develops new features and it makes it kind of difficult to like maintain a, up-to-date version of... Like
0: in real time, yeah, it'd be impossible.
1: Yeah, so basically what I'm trying to commit to is like, okay, well, I'll do an update every like four to six months.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, if I, if I stay on top of it, that's not crazy hard. Like I can do that in, you know, a couple of long weekends. But, um, yeah, no. but if you're going to write something about a piece of technology that's iterated as quickly as Evernote is or expanded as quickly as Evernote is, like you should know what you're signing up for because if you don't maintain the thing you're selling... It, like people are going to stop buying it and start hating it because it's old and it mm-hmm. is inaccurate and all that stuff. So and I actually a lot of people were complaining about how long it was taking me to get the first update out because it did take me a long time. Um, and the, the first version of it was kind of by the time the second version came out, the first version was like way wrong on a lot of stuff. So right now it's not so bad. There's a bunch of interface stuff that's a little different, but right. beyond that, like the most of the features are accurately portrayed in the book, but um, that's probably not going to be true for very much long, longer.
0: Okay. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. But if, like, cause I, I know people who write uh, par, um, products about, you know, life improvement and, mm-hmm. like, finding a new career and stuff like that. And most of that stuff is sort of evergreen. Like, right. you know, maybe the tactics that you use to find new information or whatever might be different, but the attitudes are not going to change. So you can build something like that and sort of, like, put it up there and, ta da. And maybe update it once or twice with given user feedback, but you don't have to update it to make it current. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely a symptom or endemic in writing about technology products.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So Brett, we're gonna let you go in a second. I want to make sure we link up everything too. So I want to ask for, for for links in a second here, your blog, everything like that. Make sure we get it right. But I want to ask one kind of final question here. You've had success with this, you've kinda you know, you you've gone from like chaos method at the beginning and you know, now now with some awesome results. There's people that are watching or listening to this right now where this is going to like particularly specifically resonate with them. They're thinking to themselves, you know what? I want to be, I'm the junior Brett Kelly, you know, I've got this expertise on, uh, you know, some kind of technology, let's just use technology for, you know, some, something like uh, I, I'm the best at this WordPress theme or I'm the best at, at whatever this may be. I want to do tutorials. I want to do an ebook. I want to do something like that that I can turn into a product what would you say to those people now from your experience here of what you've done of like maybe, you know, some advice or what to avoid or or what would you say to the, the junior Brett Kelly's of tomorrow today?
1: Uh, two things. Uh, one thing you mentioned earlier and I'm, I'm I'm blanking on how exactly you phrased it, but uh, no Accountability Mm -hmm. and uh, accountability and finishing Mm -hmm. like shipping the thing, um, whatever you decide to make, like assuming you don't realize that you don't, that's dumb halfway through. If you really want to ship it, then like commit to shipping it and like, figure out a way to make it so you must. Because the, there were so many times when I was producing this that I just thought, you know what, screw this. This is too much work. I'm tired of writing whatever, and whatever. I'm tired of thinking about it. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to put it away and not think about it again. And my wife, God bless her, uh, now my employer, were like, no, you need to get this out the door. So if you can, create some way, some incentive, be it bodily harm or whatever, to force you to finish. That's one point number one. Because I obviously wouldn't be here if I'd never shipped it Great and I wouldn't have shipped it without my wife or my employer or my friends. So that's point number one. Um, second, never underestimate the amount the number of people in the world who do not know what you know mm. and who mm. will want to know what you know how to do. Because I thought I mean, like I said before, my expectations for this, like ten thousand dollars in sales was my I will have I will call this a success if I can achieve
0: that. Right. Okay. That, that was that was, initial number that you've done tenfold now. Yeah. That's right.
1: Yeah. So if I, if I hit that number, and again, I had no idea what, how many people would buy it, how many people would want it, if it was even interesting to people. But, but you know, as we you can see now, people buy it, which is great. But like, don't think, no, nah, no one's going to want this. You're probably wrong. Because you know, if you want to know how to clean fire hydrants, or if that's what you know how to do, like, there are tons and tons of those in the whole world. Imagine the whole world is your market. And you just need to like segment out the people you want to sell to. And that number is still going to be really, really big in those cases. So like I said, I'm, I'm sort of dumbfounded at how many people have bought the thing that I made, but not really given how many Evernote users there are. You know, drop in the buckets. My market's gigantic, but yours probably will be too. So don't think no one's going to buy my thing or no one will be interested in it. Just I mean, make it and see because you'll probably be wrong.
0: Yeah, sound advice. I see that happen way too many times as you just assume everyone knows what you're talking about or no one cares, which either one is not going to work out. So, uh, a, a great advice, Brett. And thank you again for taking the time today. Um, yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to go sign up be an affiliate. Link that up below so I can get my shameless ten bucks. I'm doing it. You Do it. Me. Absolutely. Um, where where can we uh, where can we send people? Where where, where can we, where can they connect with you? Whether it's your blog, uh, Twitter, anything, any, anything you want to send to them. Um, now would be a good time. Uh, to let them know what's up.
1: Okay, so my blog where you can buy Evernote Essentials is nerdgap.com, n-e-r-d-g-a-p.com. Um, there's a link to my Twitter account, which is full of stupid poop jokes and other weird things. Um, I have a, and you can. There's a site you can go to called BrettKelly.me, which is just a big, big picture of my really weird-looking face, and then a bunch of links to things that I do, uh, my products on GitHub. Um, I think Twitter's on there, my blog, my personal blog that I never write for. So brettkelly.me and nerdgap.com are the two places to go.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, Brett, well, this has been awesome. Thanks again, man, for taking the time. And uh, congrats on all the success. And uh, can't wait to keep tabs on you in the future. See where it goes from here.
1: My pleasure, David. Thanks for having me. Appreciate uh,
0: it. Anytime. I don't mean stalking. Uh, th- this is Brett Kelly <laughs> on the rise to that, but I might. Uh, all that stuff is linked up below, as always. I'm David Sightman McGarland. I will see you next time. And remember, if you want some fluff, you know what to do go pet a bunny. Alright, one more quick reminder, if you want to steal that setup to give a shot for to do online interviews, all you gotta do is uh, go to go meeting.com. Uh, we got a special forty-five-day free trial for you. Just gotta to go to meeting.com, click the try-it-free button under the promo code RISE forty-five days free, and uh, grab a copy of screenflow at the rise to the top.com backslash screen flow. All this stuff is is linked up in the show notes as well. So you can check out that. And again, create awesome interviews at createawesomeinterviews.com, all linked up below.